0: start with a quote of the day. This was said by Michelangelo. The sculptor's hand can break the spell to free the figures slumbering in the stone. Hello everyone. My name is Addie Hirshton. I'm a contemporary Impressionist painter, teacher with the Indianapolis Art Center, author and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share the folktales and true stories about art and artists that I have collected as an art teacher. I hope they are as inspiring to you as they are to me. This is the story of Michelangelo's David, which is a true story as far as, um, as, far as what we know. Okay, in the year 1464, an artist by the name of Agostino was commissioned to create a large sculpture. He worked under the master craftsman Donatello for the Florence Cathedral in Italy. It would be an image of the biblical character David. Augustino started carving out the legs of the sculpture, but did not get very far along in the project. When Donatello died in 1466, Augustino left the enormous block of marble in the yard of the cathedral's workshop. It sat out in the wind and the rain for 30 years five years. In 1501, the young artist Michelangelo saw the piece of marble neglected in the yard and begged to complete the sculpture of David. He was awarded a contract and worked on the project for over two years. The finished sculpture is considered a masterpiece of craftsmanship. David holds a rock in his hand. His glaring eyes are ready to fight the giant Goliath. The determined look on his face makes it easy for us to envision him easily defeating the giant. The statue is 14 feet tall and weighs over six tons. It is ironic that the character of David was small compared to the giant Goliath. (laughs) Now it is David who towers over visitors to the sculpture when they visit it in Florence. My thoughts on this story um, it said that one man's junk is another man's treasure the lesson to be learned from this story is to always be on the lookout for materials that are right under your nose perhaps neglected by others um, sometimes people will tell this story and they'll make it sound like um, Michelangelo walked by this this uh, piece of marble over and over and over and then never saw it, never noticed it, and then suddenly one day he he's walking in the garden and he just he sees it and he says, Oh, that's what I want to do. I want to finish that project." Um, we don't know how much of that part of the story is true or not, um, but I love the idea that he saw the this piece of marble half finished every day for several years and then suddenly uh the inspiration was upon him and he wanted to complete it um because it's it's from those treasures that are right under our nose that we can form masterpieces we should never make assumptions about what is or is not possible you know we may be limited by the kind finds of our own perspective Maybe we need to step back and realize that there is a different option for solving a problem that we hadn't thought of. You know, maybe uh, Michelangelo was uninspired and having a blah day and, and didn't, didn't know what to do next, and suddenly he sees this piece of marble. Um, and I think, too, that another way to find inspiration and and see things differently is by um, asking people around us, what do they see? They might have a completely different perspective, have new ideas, might um, uh, have materials that we could use for our project that we hadn't even thought of. Um, Which brings me to um, the story of the day of maybe, I shouldn't call it the story of the day, the, um, the thing that's been floating around Facebook this week that um, has brought lots of commentary and back and forth, and um, that issue is of that dress. So if you've seen that dress, then you know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a photograph of a, um, a bridesmaid's dress from a wedding, and it's a kind of overexposed photo The question goes along with the photo, what color is this dress? And what they found is that many people will look at it and say the dress is white and gold and others will say it's blue and black. Now in actuality, the dress is blue and black but it's an overexposed photo. Um, The thing that's interesting is not what the dress actually is. The thing that's interesting is how different people are seeing this same photograph. And how they're interpreting the information. Um, you know, they might be interpreting it differently because uh, the lighting in the picture, um, they're making assumptions about what's going on with the lighting. Um, different people might define colors differently um, because of what we've learned over the years uh, from our culture. And um, for example, there are a lot of cultures out there who... Don't distinguish between blue and green. They lump blue and green together into one color. um, Combine them in those languages, which to you and me as English speakers sounds crazy. But, you know, but also different people see the colors differently because um, the way that we're we're looking through our eyes and the cones in our eyes, processing that information and going to our brain. Um, I've learned just in the past few days because of that dress, that there are some people who have more cones in their eyes um, that enable them to see more colors than others. Uh, that's rare, but um, but none the ca- nonetheless, it is uh, the case. Um, also, of course, you're going to interpret the colors differently if you're colorblind. Um, what really blows my mind about this is that Maybe my view of the world is completely different from another person's. Now, I know, you know, I'm not talking about, well, of course, somebody else has a different experience, but even what they are seeing might be completely different. What if you see red the way I see blue and we just have different words for it because because of the way we've labeled things over the years and. Um, But the way it's being interpreted in your brain might be the opposite. Um, uh, This just blows my mind, especially when we think about, how am I going to make a painting? And then um, I'm trying to communicate something to the viewer, and I want the viewer to understand it and see it the way I see it. And I'm trying to um, control what they're seeing with every color I put on with every brush stroke. But maybe they're seeing something entirely differently. And it's not just um, because they're a different person and they have different tastes, but because they really are seeing it differently because of their eye structure even. I mean, it's just, this um, makes me feel uh, like I I have no control, but (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. I mean, we all get tripped up by these assumptions. Um, And... Uh, what if the assumptions we're making about what I see and what you see go deeper than not being aware of, of somebody else's perspective, your perspective might be inherently different. And this is just something to uh, take note of, um, and that's going to bring me to the questions from the listeners. Um, so if you want to submit a question to the podcast and we can try to break it down and, and talk about it here, uh, please go to um, my website, which is azirfineart.com and fill out the contact form and then we'll add your question. So here's a question from a listener. They said, um, how do you find inspiration? Now, I we could do like 10 podcasts on this or we could write a book about the many different places we might go for inspiration um but today let's unpack uh the lesson from michelangelo's david and we just try to look at things in a new way we see we look around and we see what do we already have that maybe we can improve on that we can finish um look around your house what could you finish that's unfinished um, that might be a good starting point for finding inspiration. And that leads me to the book recommendation of the day. Um, so I have been reading a book that's called 100 Things Every Designer Needs to Know About People, and it's by Susan Weinschenk. Um, for those of you who were fascinated by all the um, psychological analysis and the, the, how our brains might be structured and, and all the questions that were brought about by that dress. Um, read this book, 100 Things Every Designer Needs to Know About People, because it um, explains how we process visual information in the brain. It's absolutely fascinating. It's written in short little chapters that are very easy to digest. Um, I've been blown away by a lot of the insights from it, um, from this book. You know, for example, that people look for patterns even when patterns aren't there. If they're shown a, a visual. Um, structure of a bunch of blocks they will project a pattern onto it even when the pattern's not there Um, you know and then how can we use that what we know from psychology because Susan Weinschenk is a, a psychologist and then apply it to our design very well written book highly recommend it all right so coming to the end of our podcast for the day um, be on the lookout for my upcoming book, The Alchemy of Art Stories for the Classroom. Uh, it's a collection of 50 folk tales and true stories for art educators to read aloud to their students. And many of the stories shared in this podcast can be found in the book, along with recommended resources and lesson plan ideas. If you love this podcast and want to see it continue, support us by going to my website, azurefineart.com, and make a donation on the podcast page. I'd love to hear from you. So thanks, everyone. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. I want to hear what you have to say. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.